the vibe is very, very scary, very flat this time. Last time there was a lot more optimism. There was a lot more, yep, no worries, we'll get, we'll get through this. Let's, let's push the wedding back for three months. Let's put the christening back for four months. This time around, the vibe that we're getting off, I would say 80% of our clientele have said pretty much they're gonna scrap whatever event it was and they're just moving on. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading up to good old Sydney town, one of my favorite places in the world, but I'm sadly not allowed to go there at the moment. And none of my mates in Sydney are allowed to visit me. That is the way of the pandemic. Uh, Sydney is really in the thick of it. And we are talking to a restaurateur who's got a few different businesses in different parts of Sydney. So he can definitely shed a light on how things are going. Antonio Tazia owns Pekka Restaurant plus two Fat Franks. Welcome to Dirty Linen, Antonio. Hey, how are you going? I am really well, thank you. Uh, how are things for you? Yeah, good. Hanging, hanging in there, trying to stay um, yeah, positive, optimistic to what's, uh, what's ahead of for us. But we've done this before, so we've kind of um, a, little bit, a little bit norm to it at the moment. <laughs> That's good. It's great to hear that you're upbeat and, yeah, looking to find the positives. For people who don't know your businesses, give us a bit of a rundown. What are they? Where are they? How are they doing? Okay, so um, Pekka Restaurant, fine dining restaurant, seats about 400 to 450 people. Um, we are based out at Gregory Hills, which is uh, southwestern Sydney, more towards Camden. Um, so that's a new, newish um, restaurant. We've only been active for about two years at the moment. Um, and then we've got uh, Fat Frank's, which is a fast food chain, which we started because of the last um, lockdown. It was actually um, rebranded and we kind of launched a new store in Wetherill Park, so southwestern Sydney again. This was the last lockdown we did it. So this was June last year. Um, and it worked fantastic for us that we end up opening up another store in Newtown, um, which we opened January this year. Um, so yeah, so there are our, there are our three stores at the moment. Okay. And just in, I know that some of the local government areas in Sydney are under more restrictions than others. So what, where do your restaurants fit into that? Okay. So Fat Frank, they're, they're, sorry, they're all divided amongst three different LGAs. Um, New, Newtown being part of the Sydney LGA, so the main LGA in Sydney. Um, not, at, not as affected as much only because um, southwestern Sydney where Wetherill Park um, which is the Fairfield LGA, um, has been obviously impacted the most. So Newtown's doing surprisingly way better than any other store. Now, Fairfield has been hit dramatically um, because of obviously um, what's, what's happened over the last two, three weeks. Um, so we felt it's the most at Fat Franks and Wetherill Park. Now, Pekka Restaurants, as a fine dining restaurant, we shut that down as of the Saturday um, that our premier came out and said um, all hospitality venues to shut down. So that hasn't been active since then. So um, the Camden LGA... Um, hasn't affected us whether we've been open or closed. Um, but, yeah, so the biggest hit for us has definitely been Wetherill Park, Fat Franks, the LGA at Fairfield. So, I mean, you've got an interesting perspective. Most people won't be, you know, zipping from one side of Sydney to the other at the moment. What What do you notice with the different LGAs? You know, what does it feel like in the different suburbs? Definitely there's more, there's more of an upbeat in Newtown. Um, when I say upbeat, people are just moving around a little bit more. They're getting out, they're breathing, they're going for walks. Now, when you're talking about the Fairford LGA, um, there is definitely a lot more fear um, in the area. And ever since uh, the Premier has locked away tradies, um, that has by certainly dropped when we, we, we originally dropped our to 40% when we originally locked down four weeks ago by locking out the tradies from working and, and, and earning money, uh, Fairfield by far has dropped a further 
50 to 60% just on tradies not coming out um, and actually spending money. So we have definitely felt it in southwestern Sydney more than we've felt it in Newtown. Mm. And so I guess you're relying a lot on delivery there. How's that working for you? Um, Again, we are feeling it more in southwestern Sydney than we are feeling it in the city. So Menulog and Uber Eats in Newtown are very prompt. They're on the ball. Um, They're they're there prior to us even, um, you know, clicking ready on our app. Um, Weatherall Park, we, we, we are trying to speak and get, a, and get an idea through the Uber and menu log and, and Deliveroo um, drivers. Why, why is it taking so long? And, and their response is they're just overwhelmed and um, a lot of drivers aren't actually working at the moment because they're too fearful to work out, you know, the southwestern Sydney side. So they're, they're, they're low on drivers and they, and they just can't keep up. Where in Newtown, um, we, we find that there, there's almost too many too many um, drivers at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a story in the Sydney Morning Herald last weekend on the Uber Eats, well, and other delivery app situation in Sydney. And one of the Uber drivers that I spoke to who works in Randwick, so again, in the inner city, mentioned that he'd seen a lot more Aussies who perhaps had lost their jobs and had started doing Uber driving in those inner suburbs. But yeah, as you say, I mean, everyone in in those hotspot LGAs has basically been instructed to stay home. So I mean, it makes sense that there aren't enough people out there delivering. Yes, no, it, definitely. I spoke to one Uber driver who we've we've seen his face around now since we opened up Weatherall Park last year, and, we, and he's been there every single day. And I only saw him twice this week. And I, I quickly just had a chat to him and I said, "Look, mate, where, where where have you been? What's what's been going on?" And and his response was, "Look, he's only doing." two to three hours a day, opposingly he used to do up to eight, nine hours a day. He's only doing two, three hours a day and he's trying to minimise that exposure. Um, but he's, as, as you mentioned, he, he's not um, legible for any sort of support um, because he is still working and he is still doing X amount of hours. So he's, he's, he's stuck in the, in, in the middle there. It's whether he ever just stops um, completely delivering um, and gets the support off the government, whether it's six, $700 or he keeps continuing and, and ultimately makes the same amount of money, but at least he's getting out of the house. So he's kind of stuck in a bit of a pickle there. But that's that's yeah, that's one of the main reasons. It's there's a lot of misunderstanding around the COVID disaster payment. A lot of even if you ring up Services Australia and talk to them, people will say to you sometimes that you need to be working zero hours to qualify. It's actually not the case. Um, so if he does come back in, you might ask him to call back or try again online because if you've lost eight or more hours of work, then you are eligible for payment, whether it's the part payment or the full, full payment, depends on whether it's eight to 20 hours or more than 20 hours. But there is a lot of misunderstanding around that. You don't have to have completely stopped working to be eligible. Um Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really it's a really tricky one. I mean, a lot of business owners talk about you know the difference between the COVID disaster payment, which goes directly to the employee or the person, uh, and JobKeeper, which of course was funneled through businesses. What's your view as a business owner about you know the the merits of of both schemes? I think I think this time around, what ScoMo and the Premier have done. Um, and Dominic, Dominic Perrottet have done, I think it's fantastic. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm going to dive into a, a, a few little rumours that I've heard from the last lockdown. Now, we um, we only had one restaurant, obviously, for the last lockdown, and we only kept on JobKeeper um, four of our chefs. Um, we kept them on JobKeeper, but everyone else which were who were casuals um, weren't legible, um, so they went on their own way, and they, and they obviously didn't get anything, so we just kept those guys. But we love the fact that this time around – no business and a lot of other businesses have ex- 
exploited the system back when JobKeeper was around. They were putting many employees on JobKeeper, but they weren't actually handing the funds over to the employees. Instead, they were keeping it themselves. And I only found out that out earlier this year, and I was absolutely astounded, and I was I was shocked to hear this. And and I think that this time around, that the employee has to directly go themselves to Service New South Wales or Centrelink and redeem, if you want to call it redeem, their their wage. I think that is so much better and smarter for the economy than the way it was run last year because I believe and I know of many, many directors and many business owners, not just in hospitality, but in any any field, especially retail, who took advantage of the system last time. That is so bad. <laughs> yes. And I, I could not agree more with what ScoMo has done this time in regards to the employees going directly and getting their raids themselves. But, I mean, those guys can easily be caught if that's what they've done. They easily can be caught and, and auditing auditing is obviously, you know, it's out there and, and, and it happens. But, I mean, it's if you could dodge a bullet, you dodge a bullet and, and, and you go for it. And, and I, I know of so many, so many people who, so many business owners and definitely not in restaurants. I, know, I really mean that. It wasn't restaurants that I've heard. It's just other people who really took advantage of this and, and they were making great money and they were still, um, you know, still redeeming JobKeeper. And that really upset me because there was businesses like, there was businesses like ours that really needed it and we, we relied on it for the period of time that we needed and we didn't take advantage of it, but other people did. So, mm, Wow. I mean, yeah, I'm really, I'm really shocked to hear that. I guess everybody's heard about the, you know, the Harvey Norman type of situation where it's a massive business whose profits didn't go down, yet they were still able to claim JobKeeper. But, yeah, I really hadn't heard about businesses not passing it on. That seems super dodgy. And I suppose what they told their employees that they weren't eligible and they just went on their way and in the meantime they were just pocketing it. Um, yeah, we're not good at all. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the other things that, that will be coming up for you as a business owner. Uh, rent, how's that going? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, when I say a tricky one, so I'm a, I'm a little bit upset with what's going to be happening in the future here in regards to the, the coming months is we just got out of uh, mediation with one of our landlords um, for the last, we only got out of mediation six to eight weeks ago for the last lockdown. So that was the last lockdown where we obviously received X amount um, deferral, X amount waived. Um, we then had obviously a dispute amongst landlord and tenant. Um, we ended up in the um, in mediation um, in the city, um, and we just resolved that. So we just resolved that eight weeks ago, and now two, three weeks later, we're back into a lockdown, and and we we're scared, we're nervous. Um, and so are a lot of other restaurants that I speak to because they're in the same boat as us where they've just resolved um, their rental dispute and what was owed and, and, and how much relief they were entitled to. But now we're going back into it. So we're, we're, we're quite nervous about this. Um, our, our, our landlord, I won't mention which store it was from, which you probably could work out which I'm talking about, but our landlord actually um, decided to lock us out during the pandemic last year. Um, and that resolved in us ending up in the Supreme Court, District Court, the Supreme Court, um, which we ultimately, um, the, the day later, we got our keys back because it was unlawful for them to um, to lock us out. But it still cost us $18,500 to run a barrister, run a solicitor. Um, and we're, we're nervous about this time it happening again and, and losing more money um, and, and having a fight on our hands. So this is where we're at at the moment. Yeah, because as much as the government said it's... Um 
you know, a landlord must offer certain concessions to you as a tenant. Uh, if you've got someone who just doesn't really want to come to the table, it must be, yeah, I guess, what do you do? Like you do end up in the court system. Yeah, it's a, it's a very grey line because even though the government and the mem- uh, memoratorium does say they can't lock you out, but it's a very grey line because you're you're sometimes up against a, um, you know, a, a headstrong landlord who believes that he's entitled to what he's entitled to. And, and so they are. And, 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 you know, a lot of people are landlords in, in, in many ways, commercial and residential, and so they are entitled because they've got bills themselves. But it, it's, it's a tricky situation where one of our stores, we pay up to seven grand a week in rent. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a large sum of money when you're making – absolutely zero dollars at the moment so seven grand a week to be paying out it's 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 hard and 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 we also understand the landlord's point of the the side of things where he's got his obviously his bills his mortgage um and he's got to pay his as well so it it is a bit of a dog's fight Mm. so what about some of those other important relationships you've got as a as a restaurateur let's say with suppliers yes so that's what we are trying our hardest every single week to 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 keep that line open, keep that communication open, and and get them to understand that like last time, we will be here supporting you when we reopen. If you can support us now, and just obviously carry over our invoices for the next thirty days, forty days, just to give us that little helping hand. And like we did last time, we paid you back plus more in you know giving you and staying loyal to you um, the, the products that we buy off you. And how are you finding that? I mean, obviously, they're the same as landlords. They've got their own, you know, concerns and considerations. Suppliers are different to landlords. I, I, I tell you now, suppliers are amazing because they're in the same boat as us. And talking about hospitality, they, they might not be serving um, their food on a, on a plate, but in the end, they know that um, we need them and they need us as well. So, no, they're completely different to landlords. They're, I would say, they're in, they're in the, the deep like us as well, and, and they want to get out of this, and, and they want to not just get out of this with their bills paid because there's no in the end there's no there's no reward to that just having your bills paid and, and never seeing the restaurant come back and buy more product off you. So they know longevity to keep you, you know your, your your customers happy and and have them return and and it's the same in the end it's the same what we did when we locked down last one. We had so many bookings that we had to give our deposits back, but the way we saw it was give the deposits back, whether it was for a wedding or a christening for their functions, give it back because, you know, karma does come around and, and, and we want our clients to be happy and want them to return. So it's, it's, a same, it's a same formula for suppliers. Mm. Well, that's good. It's good that you feel like you're standing shoulder to shoulder with your suppliers. Just with regards to those functions uh, and the rebooking, what have you done this time around? What's the, what's the vibe like? The vibe is very, very scary, very flat this time. Last time there was a lot more optimism. There was a lot more, yep, no worries, we'll get, we'll get through this. Let's, let's push the wedding back for three months. Let's put the christening back for four months. This time around, the vibe that we're getting now, we've given back everyone's deposits, which we, we, we wanted to. Um, our contract doesn't state that we have to, but we wanted to because we wanted to look. We wanted to be the leaders in the industry and, and not feel like we, we are exploiting our customers. But the vibe that we're getting off I would say 80% of our clientele have say have said pretty much they're going to scrap whatever event it was, whether it was a birthday christening, and they're just they're just moving on and just not spending that money, spending the money elsewhere. Oh wow! So I mean, how does that make you feel about you know the other end of the tunnel? Well, compared to last year, last year we 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 went back. You know, when we when we reopened on June num, June third last year. 
we we went into it with even though we didn't have many bookings but we went into there with a really great outlook on what the rest of the year was going to look like based on the discussion that we're having with clients now this time around i am very skeptical whether we return in four weeks six weeks or eight weeks i'm very skeptical about what our outlook's going to look like in regards to events um because the the response and, and the feel that we're getting out there when we speak to clients and the emails that we're getting back we just don't think there's going to be a lot out there and coming to christmas parties at towards the end of the year which god we we, we hope that we're going to be open for christmas um uh, towards this end of the year we are we are skeptical that any business is going to have the funds to even hold a um a, a christmas party or a you know a, a dinner for their for their staff members and spend 100 and 150 dollars ahead we're very skeptical Look, I know that that was a big conversation in Victoria as well. And I, I mean, events are, have still been a huge struggle and, you know, coming in and out of lockdowns as, as we have in Victoria, you know, you, your capacity restrictions is sort of just cranking back up and then, you know, perhaps you have another lockdown, it, you know, it, it, the door closes again. It's really super hard for those those larger gatherings. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's so much of those events are about confidence aren't they well it's 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 where the government and and we're not we're not we're not here to bag the government because they can't look at every um every industry and and and, you know look at every sector individually but it's where the government struggles to understand um for venues like ourselves and a lot of um function venues or or most restaurants that can fit a hundred plus people um our, our functions and our events are our bread and butter they pay they really pay everything for us and and they get us through those quiet weeks now Letting us reopen in four weeks' time or letting us reopen in a, in a week's time doesn't just flick a switch and, and get everyone running back and booking in functions within a week or two. I mean, functions take time. Events take time to plan and they're three, four months in the making. And, and if people don't have that encouragement to book a function in or they don't have that optimism that, you know, it comes November, we're not going to have another little snap lockdown, then people aren't going to book in. They're not bothered to. They're over it. And, and that's what we're finding at the moment. And the government is, is struggling to understand that. And I know you might look at the building industry, and I'm not saying they got it any easier or worse off than us, but, you know, they're, they're in a – in Sydney at the moment, they're still the, – 90% of builders are still in a, in a bit of a lockdown. And they've still got contracts, but they've got contracts, they've got deposits paid, and they've, they've got houses half built. So uh, everyone's going to continue finishing that, and, and, and the banks are going to help them finish building their, their, their houses, their dream houses or their, their commercial properties. But – in hospitality, we don't have that. We don't have a guarantee that when we get back, that we can flick a switch and go straight back into a busy, a busy restaurant. We're not guaranteed that. Mm. I mean, does Pekka Restaurant work without functions? It works, but is it profitable? No. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you you have you have your you know we, we're open five days a week, so we're open Wednesday to Sunday. Um, you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, great. We do some really good numbers in a la carte. But comes Saturday, Sunday, we really put you know the cream on the cappuccino um, on the Saturday, Sunday um, with our events, and we and we do you know on on average the weekend that we actually got shut down at three o'clock, mind you, with all this stock in our kitchen, we got shut down at three o'clock with eight events to take place from that Saturday night all the way to Sunday. I mean, that's eight events that we got shut down, had to give them money back, but also had the stock sitting in our cool room, sitting in our ovens, ready to go beef cheeks. We had 180 beef cheeks to go out that night that in the end we had to freeze. And, I mean, we're not going to reuse them for another event because we're not going we're, we're, we're to you know, tarnish our brand to, to use frozen beef cheeks. But it's, that's where we're at. That is just a killer. It's just, yeah, the heartbreak is... Yeah, just can't imagine. The heartbreak also is is 
and I do have a lot of building uh, friends in the building game and, and you know, they were, they were, they were gutted that they had to close down. And I said, you know, guys, look, look at the bright side. You guys at least got a couple of days to shut down your sites. We got three hours. We got, we got three hours, three hours to, to turn our staff away, um, to, to shut everything down, pull out our beef cheeks out of our oven. You know, all the breads that we, all the fresh breads that we made, the passes, everything. What did we do? We just gave them away in the end. Oh, it's so tough. And so at that restaurant, which, you know, you're not doing takeaway out of there, what, what about your staff? Well, we've had to, wouldn't use the word stand down because it's, you know, we're not standing them down. We want them back. Um, but we've just had to just, just tell all our staff, except our, sh- our chefs, which we, we are still paying them. We, we, we are keeping them on, you know, keeping them on the books and, and keeping them active. We're getting them in here. We're just doing some, you know, takeaway lasagnas if we can. And the boys are cleaning the kitchen and they're doing some, um, you know, handy stuff that they can. Um, but the rest of the staff, we just, you know, obviously ask them just to go onto Centrelink and go to Service New South Wales and, you know, redeem what you're eligible for. And, Hopefully, we cross our fingers when we get a chance to reopen, those staff are back and, and they haven't resorted to going to another industry or doing something else. Yeah, well, we, I mean, it's, we know it was tough to reopen last winter um, in, from a staffing point of view. I mean, Victoria has certainly seen people, you know, leave, whether it's to interstate or overseas. It's been incredibly tough to, to restaff these businesses. It, it, it is, and what we found out through our last lockdown, we lost about forty percent of our our staff, and whether it was from our full time staff to our casuals, and they end up, you know, you know, I'll give you a scenario. One of our chefs who was chefing for twenty, twenty two, twenty three years um, for the last lockdown, he actually ended up during the lockdown, end up going to just becoming a labourer for a concreter, and then from being a labourer, he ended up, you know, calling us up and saying, "Guys, I think, you know, I'm I'm going to give hospitality a, a a miss now, and I think I'm 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 more certain to be getting a, some money and income and proper income in in concreting. So I'm going to go move over to that." And that was after 22, 23 years of chefing. Um, he couldn't take the risk anymore because he had three kids at home, and and that's it. He just he went off and, and done some concreting. I mean, what does that make? I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm 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 very very nervous about this next. The next return, um, who's actually going to come back? Because we were already we were already struggling with not having um, internationals here, um, whether it's the Nepalese, the Indians, even the Italians um, as wait staff and, and chefs. Not having them come through, it was a it was a very hard um, towards the end of last year and even even this year. Now after this lockdown, I I'm really skeptical about who's actually wanting to come back into hospitality, um, slug away at nights when they are the first, you know, we're the first on the chopping block when, when it comes down to a lockdown. What about yourself, Antonio? Are you a hospitality lifer? Are you, you're, just, you're just sticking it out for the long haul? It's all I've ever done. So it's all I've ever done since I was 14. I started working in um, a function venue, a very well-renowned function group, venue group, sorry, in Sydney. Um, so it's all I've, I've ever done and, and it's, I feel like, at the moment, especially because of these lockdowns, I feel like it's my duty um, not to run away, but kind of to do the to do the opposite and to prove um, to others that you know we can get through this and we can defy the odds. Um, and we've become very, very close with a lot of other venues in the area and a lot of other restaurants through this. And I, I think that's 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 been a great you know a motivator um, to keep going in this industry. And yeah, okay, I, I do I do look at other industries and and I, I see the perks of. Um, being in other industries, especially during a lockdown, 
But I guess this time around when they've, you know, Gladys has locked out the building industry and, and I would say, you know, 80% of other industries, I, I think, you know, we, we, we really are in the same boat. She likes to use that, you know, that phrase a lot. But I think this time we are in the same boat. Last time we weren't, but this time we are in the same boat. So, yeah, I'll stick it out for as, as long as I need to. Good. Well, I'm sure you will come through and it's great to hear that there's that solidarity with yourself and other businesses because, um, yeah, obviously Sydney needs restaurants on the other side of all this. Oh, we, we, we definitely do. And, and, and I, I, I'm more than certain what's, what's going to happen. Like, or no, I, I'm, I'm 50-50 on what happened last time. Everyone came out running. So we opened on June 3rd and, and within four weeks, our restaurants, it took about four weeks to, to really get it ramped up. But within four weeks, we were, we were, we were busy. We were pumping. Um, but this time around, speaking to other restaurateurs, they have the same view that I have. The fact that builders, tradies, have stopped work, they have stopped getting an income. And, and you know, some tradies do earn a, a good wicket um, every week, whether it's, you know, 1500 two grand, three grand a week. But they spend. And by them not having work and by them not earning their, their normal income, that's where we saw a drop in fat francs. And this is where we are very, very nervous about Sydney. And when restaurants do open in Sydney, yes, Sydney does need restaurants, but are husbands and wives going to have the money to go out and spend like they did last lockdown? We are sceptical. Yeah, it's a really big question. Um, and with your crystal ball in your hands, like what's your feeling about Sydney getting on top of this and being able to reopen? Again, I like to say positive, but oh, I, I can't see us reopening before September. Oh, I, I really can't. I mean, I mean our numbers, if, if, you know, Gladys is obviously playing the numbers game and our, if our numbers tell the story. I mean, they're not, they're not really dropping. Um, they're, they're sitting around, they're hovering around the 200 mark. And, I mean, this was nothing like the last lockdown. Our numbers were nothing like this. Yet that still went on for a good um, 10 weeks. So I, I'm... I'm, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen out of this and, and I, I, I can't see hospitality out of all industries, hospitality coming back before September. And, I mean, the other big difference with this lockdown or this, this outbreak is vaccination. I mean, have, are you vaccinated? Are you encouraging your staff to get vaccinated? You know, what's, where do you feel like vaccination sits in all of this? I, I, don't, I think the general consensus is to get vaccinated within time. Um, I've just booked in my first one. I, I, I've never been against vaccination. I mean, uh, Carmelina actually, who's our general manager, she, she sat me down and we had a, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago and she, and she highlighted something that made complete sense to all those anti-vaxxers out there, um, which it, it made complete sense. And, and Carmelina said, you know, when we, when we're first born, um, you know, we, we get our vaccinations, we get our needles when we're born. And why is it any different now? It shouldn't be any different because it was. Ne it's never a difference when a newborn is is um, you know, is born and they've got to get their their needles, as they call it. Um, why is it any different now? And and I think she's completely right. And I mean, the, look, the general consensus out of Southwestern Sydney and all our staff and anyone I speak to, my suppliers, no one's got an issue with it. No one's got an issue with getting vac vaccinated. I think they've just got an issue with the fact of using vaccinations as a way of getting out of this. But really, are we going to get out of this sooner rather than later? I think that's I think that's the main question on everyone's on lips. But getting vaccinated, not a problem. Get right. it done. Yeah, great. So you're saying people are happy to go get vaccinated, but they can't quite see the connection between that and getting out of this outbreak. Is that what you're saying? 
Correct. Spot on. Especially when you look at Israel, what happened in Israel over the last week or two. Now they're, they're ramping up their third vaccination, but still going into a lockdown. And they've got over, you know, 60, 70 percent of their country vaccinated. Um, you know, it kind of just makes us look like, hey, well, let's go get vaccinated. It's no problem. But is that going to help us get out of this lockdown any sooner? Well, I suppose it's like you've got to do what's within your reach to do. And I guess one thing that most of us can do is get vaccinated. So at least let's do that. Um, Because I guess we don't get out of it unless we're vaccinated. Uh, In terms of what, you know, the number or the percentage of people that need to be vaccinated and what difference it's going to make in terms of lockdowns. I guess, you know, the road ahead is slightly foggy, but it's definitely the way to improving the situation for everybody all around the world. I had a conversation with my chef a couple of weeks ago, and he's and he's one of our chefs is fully vaccinated, and he, he was quite he was quite distraught and upset because he got vaccinated quite a long time ago before before all this even happens um, this next lockdown, and he kind of thought he, he was really upset because he just thought he goes I I got vaccinated, but I'm in the same boat as everyone else, and I thought I was doing the right thing to kind of help not not just everyone else, but help myself and my family get out of this um, and be safe and and hopefully be one of the ones who could still earn an income. But he goes I'm. I feel like I'm worse off than anyone else um, because, you know, he's, he's not really earning an income. He's on his, you know, he's, he's on his job saver. But, yeah, he was, he was quite upset about that. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I suppose, yeah, in this we just aren't individuals and it's, 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 it's these individual efforts that add up to a community benefit. But until, the, until most of the community is vaccinated, then the individuals yeah, can't have any special privileges. We still don't know if, I mean, vaccinated people still can spread the virus. So it's, um, yeah, yeah it's, not a, it's not a ticket to freedom, at least not yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the most, the latest plan put out by the federal government or by the national cabinet does suggest that when we get to a much greater level of vaccination, that people who aren't vaccinated won't have certain privileges. So I guess, you know, it's carrot and stick, isn't it? Correct. Yes, I agree. Um, so, Antonio, you, I'd love just to change tack a little bit and talk about Philly cheese steaks, which I know is what you specialise in at Fat Frank's. And I reckon the Philly cheese steak is not that well known in Australia. Can you tell me, just just give us a rundown on, on what it is and why you guys have focused on it? Okay, so Philly cheese steak. I, um, I'll, I'll give you a quick background how I got into Philly cheese steak. So I went overseas. I've got some family that live in Philadelphia and New Jersey. Um, so I went over there four or five years ago for Christmas, um, and I tried my first Philly cheesesteak. Had no idea what a Philly cheesesteak was when I when I got there. And um, the best way to put a Philly cheesesteak started obviously in Philadelphia. Philly cheesesteak. It started by Italian um, migrants back in 1930. Two brothers um, in Philadelphia. They had a little cart, one of those little hot dog carts on the side of the road. And um, most of the taxi drivers in, around Philadelphia and New Jersey were Italian back then. Um, they were a little bit sick of hot dogs, so someone brought some really thin sliced um, beef to the hot dog stand, and they said, "Hey." Buddy, can you uh, can you toss this up on the grill and, and put in a roll for me with some provolone cheese, the Italian um, the Italian soft cheese, provolone cheese, and put some onions on there, and and that's where it was born. It was born as on <laughs> on the corner of on the street as an Italian roll, and and the Italians have embraced it over in Philadelphia. They they treat it as their sacred um, their sacred dish, uh, if you want to call it a dish. But um, yeah, that's where it started. So I went over there and I actually um, I, I got so so carried away with the the, the, I'm obviously Italian myself, so it kind of just blended so well with with me. And I, I came back to Sydney, and um, we end up opening up a pop up store and a food truck, and that's that's where it, that's where it evolved from. Wow, that's I didn't I had no idea about that heritage. That's so awesome. So, what are the like key features of the Fat Frank's Philly cheesesteak? What is it? You know, what makes it good? Well, the Fat Frank's Philly cheesesteak is 
the closest you're going to get outside of the States. And when I say the closest you're going to get, I'll explain it. To make a, a, a authentic Philly cheesesteak, it takes four ingredients and four key ingredients. One being the cheese. So our cheese is that sliced... Um, You've got two cheeses, three cheeses, I should say, but we'll, we'll just go with the sliced American cheese, which is like your Big Mac cheese, um, your provolone cheese, and your cheese whiz, which is your liquid cheese. The second, the second ingredient is your sliced beef. So we use a premium rage rump um, that we slice. We've got a special machine in last year from Germany. Um, we got that in late last year that slices up to a mil thin. Um, it slices the beef ultra thin. We can almost see through it. The third ingredient, which to me makes up the Philly cheesesteak, and that is the roll. So the roll is an Emma Rosa roll. So if you Google it, the, 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 the original Philly cheesesteak place, Pat's in Philadelphia, Pat Oliveri was one of the founders. Pat's uses the Emma Rosa roll. Now, we're the only place outside of the States. I think there's one, one place in Singapore that gets it, but we're the only place outside the States that gets this roll, Parbates, frozen, snap frozen, sent to us in pallets, all the way over here to Sydney. So we use the most authentic roll for a Philly cheesesteak. So it's not too crunchy. It's not too soft. It's not too dense. It's not too light. It is the perfect <laughs> Philly roll. And how do you cook the meat? So it, the meat, so because the meat is sliced so thin, it's almost, almost just picture when you go to the deli and you ask the, the delicatessen to slice the prosciutto for you really nice and thin, that's how thin that we get a, a, a raw beef. We get it so thin, it's, it, it's that thin. So it actually only takes up to 30 to 35 seconds to cook on the grill. We, Amazing. And then we chop it up with our um, utensils. We chop it up. We throw some onions on there. You get your choice of onions. You get your choice of cheese. You can throw some mushrooms and peppers, which makes it a mushroom pepper cheesesteak, and off you go. I just really want one. <laughs> oh, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And and we are we are the 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 first. We we'll call ourselves a chain. We're only two stores, but we we hope to be more in the in the coming future. But we want to be the first chain outside the US because um, there is quite a few chains in the US. But outside the US to really show Australia what an authentic Philly cheesesteak is. It sounds like a very worthy project, Antonio. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up for today? No, I just, I, I just, I just want to give a big shout out to everyone in hospitality who is doing it very, very tough at the moment. Um, just to hang in there, like you said before, Denny, Sydney, Melbourne, anywhere in, in Australia needs restaurants. We need cafes. They need us. There's nothing more joyous than to go for a walk. And and I miss going just to sit at a cafe, which I'll do every single Monday, which is my technically my day off. But every Monday I would sit at a cafe, get my coffee. I would get my smashed avocado with a little bit of ricotta on there. And I'll just sit there for an, half an hour to an hour and just read the newspaper. Australia and Sydney needs cafes and restaurants. So the last thing we need is, is landlords shutting us out. We don't need the government, um, you know, making it harder on us. That we, we need everyone to stay strong, stick around, because believe me, everyone is over being at home. They're over going for walks. They are dying to get out, eat some really good food, be served, and just be in a different environment. So a big shout-out to everyone in hospitality and just to hang in there. It is going to be tough. These next couple of weeks aren't going to get any easier, but I can see a little slim lining at the end of this. <laughs> Great. Well, I hope that that light gets closer and closer and, uh, yeah, you come out shining. Thank you so much for your time today, Antonio. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Thank you, and I appreciate everything you asked and, and giving us the opportunity to um, have a little little voice. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Denny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. 
we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is